This is Dr. Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Today you're going to hear a very good message from my lay pastor, Terry Pulley. I was on a 25-state tour, six weeks, exposing eagles saving nations to spark another revival, a great awakening. And now, here's Terry. So the title of my message is Prayer Changes Things, Testimonies of God's Faithfulness. And we've learned a lot through this ministry of God's faithfulness to answer prayer, and especially in this room. And I was glad this morning when I, that I got some good worship music going when I was getting ready this morning. And I love the song. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. And I, it just kind of got me excited about what could be happening on Pastor's tour and, and, um, what God could do, and then uh, that was uh, God turn it around. He's up to something, and uh, ain't nothing like a gospel song. I love that song. That just really encouraged me that we're going to get a good report from Pastor. That's what I'm really, mm-hmm. really praying. So I'm using for my text in the book of James, James four sixteen, the last part of James four sixteen, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We read this book. The only other time I've led a group of adult faces is in our small group when we um, studied Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Have any of you ever read that? It's the greatest book on prayer that that I've found. And uh, Dutch Sheets, is um, he's a pastor in um, Colorado Springs, and he's also the executive director of Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. And he is an author, a teacher. He has a YouTube. I don't know if any of you have ever, which is a great devotional. It's called Give Him 15. It's a 15-minute devotional that he does every day. And I listen to it when I can. And so I, I listened to one recently that really helped me with this message. He wrote this book in 1996, and our small group studied it in 2019, I think it was, before all the COVID thing came down. And there's 14 chapters in the book, and each one has some really powerful testimonies. And he's, in addition to being a minister and an author and a teacher, he ministers and prays for people. One of the chapters in the book uh, was called The Power of Persistence. He kind of shared that that we don't wait well when we pray for something. You know, we want the miracle right away, and we don't, you know, we want it now, and we're into microwaving. But he said, um, God, on the other hand, is usually into marinating. And so he he related a miracle of a, a young woman that he went to pray for her. He was asked by the woman's sister to go pray for her. And all he knew was that she was very ill. But he didn't have the full story. I think the sister didn't explain everything because she wanted him to go and pray for her sister who was in a uh, long-term care facility. When he got there, he realized that she, she had a tracheostomy in her throat and a feeding tube in her stomach. And she was in a She'd been in a comatose state for over a year. And she, um, the doctors had given her no hope for living or even coming out of the coma. 
they said if she did regain consciousness, she would basically be a vegetable uh, due to extensive brain damage. She'd had infection all through her brain. And so he did go to pray for her, and this case just really gripped him, and he kept going back to pray for her for over a year before the healing came. And he said that his motto became Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And he just expressed about how, you know, sitting beside her and praying for her, I'm sure he anointed her and praying for her, for her healing and her restoration. And he said, you know, it was intimidating to pray for, for someone who's, you know, the doctors all had given her up, basically, that, that she still had life, and her family wanted to go forward, and she's tube-fed and so forth, and such a long duration. And he said it can teach us a lot about life, about death, about ourselves, and about God. So one day the girl, was she was transferred from the, from the long-term care facility to the hospital for treatment of an infection. They discovered an infection, and they, they transferred her to the hospital for more tests, and they determined that her condition had grown worse. And Dutch heard about it, and he came to pray for her in the hospital right away. He said that throughout the course of that year, each time he had gone, he asked the Lord if he had really sent him to this girl, and he always received the assurance, I sent you, don't quit. So when he prayed, it was not just a strong hope he had, but a great faith And so he said out loud to the girl, nothing can keep you from our miracle, nothing. And he got real, you know, he was weeping, and he had left the hospital. And after that day, she was totally healed and restored, and God healed her brain. And even even after the, the outer layer of her brain had been totally destroyed by a virus, and it was in the headlines, Woman awake, alive, healthy, after two years in a coma. And so, you know, he stated that he's found that persistence or endurance is one of the most important spiritual attributes of the Christian life. A lack of endurance is one of the greatest causes of defeat, especially in prayer. As he persisted for that year, his faith grew until he knew deep inside she would be healed. Prayer changes things. Another chapter in his book is called The Necessity of Prayer. John Wesley said, God does nothing on earth save in answer to believing prayer. God has chosen to work through the prayers of his people. He needs us to represent him on earth. The prayer of faith and the name of Jesus is so powerful. In this daily devotional that he does, he always gives it a title and the one that I listened to that I really connected to was called God Meetings. And he has this real calming, assuring voice. So it's really enjoyable to listen to his devotionals. He shared that the primary concept behind the Hebrew word for intercession is pagah, and it means two or more entities to meet or connect. God's motive for creating us was to produce a family fellowship. We need to meet him, not just to petition him, though that's necessary, 
not just to attack the enemy and his plans, though we're called to spiritual warfare, not just to represent him, though we ultimately do this, but to connect with him, commune with him. The relationship is what's important. While communing with him, we can then ask him to connect with a loved one, meet with a friend, visit a nation, encounter our enemy, all of those things. He wants an intimate meeting with us throughout the day. So we need to dialogue with God about our nation. James 4.8 says, If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And then he pointed out that Christ is the ultimate intercessor. He's intercessing for us so we can pray in his name. He presents us to the Father as righteous and one of his own. Our prayers of intercession are an extension of his work of intercession. They release and apply what he has already done. I shared with Pastor that I, I wanted to give some testimonies. The reason I gave this message, the title, I remember as a child growing up in the 50s and 60s, in our home, we had a plaque. The interior decorator kind of mode then was ceramic, you know, pe- Women did ceramics all the time, and I can't remember if my mom actually made this plaque or if it was something that was purchased, but it's a, it was a ceramic plaque about so yay big with cursive, you know, embossed writing on it. Prayer changes things. And I can remember that in, in our home everywhere we lived, you know, either in the kitchen or the dining room. And it made a big impression on me. Um, when I was growing up, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home, and so I witnessed the truth of that statement. Prayer changes things a lot. And so many of you know my dad. He'll be 96 years old this year, and um, he's a godly man. He loves the Word. He loves to study, but he he has a conversion story that's pretty dramatic about how God got hold of his life, and I don't know if I've ever shared it with any of you, but he was raised in Spokane. He graduated early, and he joined the Merchant Marines. Uh, That was at the end of World War II. When he went in, he was a young 18-year-old, and he didn't know the Lord. And when he was discharged after the war ended, he came home to, to marry his sweetheart, my mom. They had had a correspondence romance through the war, and So it's a love story, and um, they got married. He was 19, and she was 17. My mom had given her heart to the Lord and was baptized when she was age 11. She had Christian family members and had gone to church. But she had uh, stopped going to church as a teenager, and she'd wandered away. So when she and my dad got married, she wasn't really serving God at that time, but she was in love, and they got married. But then my, my brother was born right away. And after he was born, the Lord started working on my mom's heart, and she knew that she wanted to raise Mike you know, in church. And she had brought it to my dad, but he was, um, you know, she, after she'd had this renewal. My dad worked hard, and he thought that Sunday was, was his day off. So he wasn't keen on going to church. But my mom was praying earnestly for my dad and her family as well to get him to go to church with her and, and uh, so that he would 
be born again and become a Christian. So every Sunday, Mom was faithful to carry my brother and walk the six blocks to church in spite of Dad. And my brother was two years old, and Dad still had not accepted Christ. But Mom never gave up. She had that persistence. So she kept praying for him. And um, my dad at the time was working as a manager of the IGA store there in Spokane. It was just a block from their apartment where they lived. And he had worked there before the war. And when he came back, the owner there made him manager. And so he had a lot of responsibility there. He was 22 years old. And um, it was a Saturday night. The grocery store was only open till 6 o'clock. And so it was uh, New Year's Eve, 1948, December 31st. And he was closing the store. They hadn't locked the doors yet. He was counting the till. And two armed black men barged into the store and stuck a gun in his face. They had a paper bag and said, put the money in the bag and be quick about it. This is the story my dad gives me. I've heard it so many times. And uh, he complied, and and they took off, and the adrenaline was pumping, and you know he had to call call the owner, and the owner called the police, and but in the meantime, the only ones in the store were were just he and the janitor, and the janitor had tried to go out the back way, but the other guy was blocking the the back door, and but after they escaped, then my dad and the janitor hopped in the delivery truck and tried to chase him because they knew what the car looked like and look for him and, you know, get the money back and so forth. And But after it was all, they finally, you know, got the guys because uh, they had spied him, spied the car. But after it was all over, my dad had sat in the car. He drove home and he sat in the car and thought to himself, what would have happened if the robber would have pulled the trigger? It just, he was shaken and and so it, it stirred his mind. He never tells me how he broke it to mom or anything, but the next morning was Sunday morning because that was a Saturday night. So he, he got up and he told my mom, I believe I'll go to church with you today. And so he, he went to church with mom and there was a, an evangelist there. His name was Paul Camelon and he was an evangelist that he paint, he did paintings while he preached. And I, some of you might have, might have heard about him, but um, he preached a sermon called Five Minutes to Midnight. My dad remembers the title. And it gripped my dad, and he realized that, you know, that he would be lost, you know, if that man had pulled the trigger, if he had been shot. And, and he was radically saved that morning, and the Lord answered my mom's prayer. So God has a purpose in everything he allows. Prayer changes things. A lot a lot happened next. The Lord gave Dad a wonderful Christian buddy at the church and who was on fire for God, and they spent many hours studying the Word and praying. And nine months later, I came along. And about a year after I was born, my dad um, had grown in the Lord so much, and he felt a call to the ministry. And he applied to Northwest College over here and on the coast, and he was accepted. So after they sold their home and I was about 15 months old, my family moved here to Everett. And that was December 1950, and they got established in a great church. 
and Dad was busy finding work and planning to enroll in Bible school fall quarter. Then in July 1951, my mom was struck with polio at age 22. There was a polio epidemic in 51. She was paralyzed from the neck down, including her throat, and she had to be tube-fed. It was just short of going in the iron lung. She didn't have to do that. And uh, they had a great church that rallied to pray in faith, believing for healing. The power of their prayers, um, after four months, my mom was restored and discharged from the hospital. And by the grace of God with therapy, she learned to walk again and gave God all the glory. Prayer changes things. It changed the whole scenario for my mom. Many polio victims were never walked again, had a lot of paralysis. She, she did a lot of therapy, but she was determined and God was faithful and she walked again. Another testimony, when my oldest son, Brian, was just 18 months old, he developed severe asthma, and he had to be hospitalized 13 times from July to December in 1976. We were running constantly. The least little thing, if he got around smoke or he got around an animal, or he would just tighten up, and we were constantly running down to children's orthopedic. I think we wore the or the road out, doing the pilgrimage back and forth to children's orthopedic. We nearly lost him twice. He had what they call, I think it's called status asthmaticus, when you go into that level of breathing distress. Sometimes you can't reverse it. But I had a praying family, and especially my grandmother. She was my prayer warrior that I would call on the phone, you know, and they start having the breathing issues, and you, you don't know... You know, you pray, and then you don't know when it's time to trust God or get help. And so I would call my grandma. She would say, are you a believer? <laughs> and I said, yes, grandma, I'm a believer. Well, then let's pray. And so then she would, she would pray with me over the phone and ask God to give me the confidence to trust him or the wisdom whether to take him to the hospital again. And so, so many times... Prayer changed things. That just is a testimony that, you know, if you pray believing and trust God, you know, the outcome can be victory. So then my, my next testimony is my husband. In uh, 1998, February 11th, I got a call from, uh, I was working at Cedar Park then in the office and uh, for Pastor Greg Wingard and I got a call from the guy that, Ed, was he your boss? I can't remember if he was your boss. Call at the office. And as soon as he told me who he was, I knew what it was. But he said, you know, that Stephen had a, he had a spell at work and um, everything went gray. And he was having a heart attack. And they had taken him to the clinic and they ambulanced him to the hospital in Bellevue. So I left quickly and went to Overlake. I didn't even know where Overlake Hospital was. I'm, not, I'm sure I'd gone past it many times when our trips back and forth to Spokane, but I didn't know how to get there. Nobody offered to go with me. So here I am, just in this emergency mode, panicking. We had lost his mom in 87 with heart disease. I knew it ran in his family and his high cholesterol issues and so forth. It was just the Lord that got me to Overlake what exits to take and where to go. And 
I go into the emergency room, and doctor comes out, and he says, your husband's having a major heart attack. And so I think I said to him, well, do something. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, he won't let us do anything because he wasn't thinking properly. He wasn't getting blood flow, and he can be stubborn. <laughs> and uh, he wouldn't let them do anything. They wanted to give him nitro and so forth, and, and he was refusing everything. You know, he wanted to wait until I got there, but he didn't really have a concept of how long it would take. You know, he didn't want them to do anything. You know, he wanted me to decide, I, I guess, that's what he wanted. And so I signed the papers, you know, do whatever, you know, I, I went in to talk to him. He was totally gray. And I said, honey, let them help you. And so they, um, I was by myself. I had no family, no friends, nobody to agree with me in prayer, but I had the Lord. As soon as I signed it, they went to work on him right away, and, and I had to go into the waiting room. As it happens, the waiting room was totally empty. There was nobody there. It was kind of not well lit, and so it was just me and God there in the waiting room. So I prayed, God, you know, spare his life, of course, and then I prayed three prayers. I prayed they wouldn't have to open his chest. I prayed he wouldn't have any permanent damage, and I prayed that he wouldn't be off work too long because <laughs> he was, you know, the main breadwinner. And I know that was just a kind of a selfish one. But, but I remember praying those three things and just spending time with the Lord there in the, in the waiting room while they were doing a procedure. And I didn't know exactly what they were doing. Don't you know, God was in it. He had the doctor that he had happened to be one of the doctors who developed the stent procedure. Now, this is 98, so that's 24 years ago. And he worked on him. They didn't have to open his chest, so that prayer was answered. They put three stents in his right coronary artery, which was totally occluded or blocked. He came out, and he showed me the before and after angiograph. And you could see where there was just no blood flow in this one. And then after they did the procedure, you know, he had all this branching a blood flow and and so prayer changes things and that was awesome god answered he had his follow up the three prayers he had didn't have to open his chest he had a stress test 2 weeks later he had no permanent damage he got to go back to work <laughs> half days part time after 2 weeks and so god was so faithful i just give him praise for that he could have gone a different way and so Prayer changes things. And then in this very room, just, okay, how long ago is that? It was on, on Pastor EJ's birthday, October 24th, 2020. Stephen was having terrible reports from his cholesterol level. I remember Scott and Pastor both praying for him over his cholesterol problem. He'd been getting reports, like I have the blood test in my purse that I carry with me. He'd been getting reports that his cholesterol was like 343, something so high. And we prayed that day. I had told Pastor that I just felt a spirit of healing in this room that day. And that was on the 24th. On the 29th, he had a blood test. His cholesterol was down to 99. And so God healed him of that hereditary, it's called hypercholesterolemia. He healed him of that disease. I just give him all the praise for that. I have the lab results to prove it. So prayer changes things. 
There's a lot of other testimonies that I could give, and I know Vance has wonderful testimonies of healing, and you know we have testimonies in our ministry of God coming through financially when we needed, and um, I just know that miracles happen when we pray in faith, believing. I was looking at, when I was reading scripture today, in Matthew 28, right after the crucifixion and after the resurrection, Jesus was with his disciples. It says, Matthew 28:17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So he has all authority to change the scenario, to change the report, to change the situation. So I tested it in my own life and the life of my family, and it's true. So I had a burden that I know pastors called to this Eagle Saving Nations trip. It's something that the Lord put on his heart, and we need to pray that this Eagle Saving Nations trip will start a fire in the church and cause believers to rise up and get concerned about the attack on our freedoms and take a stand against the tyranny in our government and just pray that pastor can share this strong message and people will join this team and and that it'll bear fruit you know according to second chronicles 714 well that's about all that I had to share today but I just wanted to pray and ask you to join together with me to pray for pastor on this, especially this week, when you think about it, and always think about that there are three hours ahead of us. So that's why I was thinking about it at seven this morning, that they're having that meeting. And so encourage you to pray for them. Let's just pray together. Father God, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, bringing our leaders before you. We thank you for your covering over pastor Adalia and Michael on this long trip, and we plead your blood to continue to protect them throughout the journey. We ask that the people will have a mighty encounter with you in these meetings. Cause your Holy Spirit to hover around them with his holy presence until they are saturated with you. We pray for miracles of healing and infilling of the Holy Spirit, like in times past, God. Create a hunger in them, Lord, and remove the veil from their eyes so they can see you clearly. Awaken the church, God. Don't allow us to be passive. Let us see a true revival poured out in Cincinnati and the other cities, Lord, and bless the people and cause them to see that prayer changes things. God can change things in our nation. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, and we look forward to a good report. Praise you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. I hope you've enjoyed this message on prayer. Critical message. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. We have three types of eagles, golden eagle, bald eagle, and white eagle. Subscribe to one today. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow.